Before we start the show, we've got a special announcement. You know, facts took a bit of a beating in 2020. I think it's time we turn the page and celebrate the truth. And do we have a fun way to do it? We do. PolitiFact, the nation's leading political fact checker, is hosting its first ever Festival of Facts to celebrate fact checking and to feature some of the most important voices in media, healthcare, politics, and technology. And it's called the, the United, United Facts, facts of, of America. America. And, and unlike that, which was not united, but it's called the United Facts of America. Tell them about it, Helen. The virtual festival can be viewed entirely online and includes the nation's leading healthcare and political journalists like CNN's Brian Stelter, Georgia elections official Gabriel Sterling, and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Woohoo! It also includes us. Helen and I are scheduled to host a special game that will likely appeal to listeners of Go Fact Yourself, and you can watch. The event is held online May 10th through the 13th, and sessions will be recorded in case you can't attend every live event. That's right. Tickets are $50, which sounds like a lot, but Go Fact Yourself listeners can save $15 today by using the promo code FACTS2021 at checkout. Helen, what's that code? FACTS. 2021 at checkout. Tickets and more details are available at politifact.com slash facts hyphen fest. That's politifact.com slash facts hyphen fest. And use the promo code facts2021. Yay, facts! Yay, facts! Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Very nice to see you. How are things going with you? Things are very good. I have been busy, J. Keith. I'm, uh, I just launched a YouTube channel where I interview my parents about their lives. Interesting. Are, are they aware of this uh, being on YouTube? They are aware because I've been forcing them to do Zoom interviews with me on the regular, and they are like very kind of feet draggy about it, but their life stories are pretty amazing. So That's great. Have you, you. Uh, have you learned things you didn't know about your parents in this process? I've learned so many things. The way that it came about is I, I did an interview with my dad uh, at Christmas of last year where we were talking about 2020 being the worst year ever. And I was like, well, dad, you're pushing 80. You know, is 2020 the worst year ever? And he casually was like, well, you know, I'd say when I was in the Korean War and starving and freezing <laughs> and my baby brother died. Yeah, I'd say, oh, that, I'd say that year was worse. And I was like, what? So I actually turned that into a Zoom interview, which was then turned into a piece for Now This Media, which is a big social media company. Mm -hmm, sure. They have a lot of videos on Facebook and Instagram and all that. And that went viral. That did very well. And so I was like, you know, this is a thing that I should do with my parents. I haven't seen them in person in over a year. Mm -hmm. And they have these fascinating stories. They're both Korean War survivors. And the first video that we dropped on the channel is, I learned that my dad's first English words were, hello, give me chocolate. <laughs> and it's funny, but there's actually a very, very touching story behind it. So the channel, for those of you who would like to check it out, is called Old Korean Dad Stories and Sometimes Mom. 
<laughs> Sometimes he lets her in as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's funny, I remember I had a school assignment. Uh, I was in elementary or junior high, and I was supposed to uh, interview someone in my family about the war, about, uh, I assume, World War II at the time, and my dad was alive during that. And so I, I asked him to tell me about the war, and he just said, war is hell. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Did not get an A. Did oh. not get an A. So ho- hopefully your parents are a little more uh, verbose and forthcoming <laughs> than mine was. Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? She is a writer and podcaster who hosts the podcasts The Illusionist, Answer Me This, and Veronica Mars Investigations. It's Helen Zaltzman. Hello, Helen Zaltzman. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And thank you for staying up late for us. You you were joining us tonight from uh, jolly old England, as they used to say. (laughs) Yeah, when it was still jolly, we used to say that. It is still old, though, I understand. Yeah, I mean, it's only getting older all the time. (laughs) Aren't we all? Now, Helen, this is interesting because you are our first guest to be a Helen. We, of course, have (gasps) Helen, my hosting partner. I am actually thrilled because it's very difficult. It's challenging to meet another Helen that is uh, under 90 years old. (laughs) Yeah, we do have one of the old lady names that has not made a comeback. (laughs) Is it a more common name in the UK? I think it's probably a little bit more common Mm. just because it's more old. You know, we I gravitate see. to the old here. Yeah, it does feel like I'm on the lower lower range range for it. Years ago, when I first started stand-up, I, I did a joke about Helen being one of the world's most unsexy names yeah. after Gertrude and Ethel. <laughs> and I often would get the response like, but it's the name of the most beautiful woman in the world in history. And I'm like, yeah, if only I was named after that Helen. I was actually named after the Helen that was blind, deaf, and dumb. That's cool, though. I mean, she was uh, very accomplished. You know, like Helen Keller, but not blind, deaf, or dumb. But accomplished, very accomplished as well. Thank you. Helen Zaltzman, let me ask you about the Illusionist podcast. First of all, it is Illusionist with an A, not I. It's not not necessarily a show about magic. Mm. Although there is a certain magic about language. uh, (laughs) Beautiful uh, segue. I'm going to try to make a connection to. Thank you so much for that. Uh, <laughs> what I love is that you bring on experts. Uh, you, you get to learn all sorts of different things about things that you maybe never knew about about language. Is there are there any things that stand out of that uh, that you've learned that surprised you about language? Yeah, well, the, there's a lot in the differences, the subtle differences between um, the use of English words in the US versus the UK, and some of them I knew about. Mm-hmm. Like we use the word fanny quite differently here. Mm. Indeed, yes. But I didn't know that things like the word please have subtle differences in use. And I thought, God, have I been rude the whole time I've been in the States trying to be overly polite? And actually, has it been backfiring? So that's been interesting. Just a lot of the kind of sociology. What do you mean by that? Uh, What do you mean by that? Over here, like if we're ordering in a restaurant, we'll say, oh, please, could I have blah, 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 blah. Whereas in the States, I think you'll say more directly, I would like or I will have. Or give me a. Yeah, give me a. And and I found that the conditional as well was also a problem. <laughs> I, I went somewhere and I was like, oh, could I have the cheese? And then when everyone's meals came, mine didn't. And he was like, oh, I just thought you were asking whether it was possible. <laughs> <laughs> Conceptually, in theory, could I have cheese? Sure. Yeah, that, uh, that'll teach me. We're such a snarky lot, aren't we? Like a snarky lot of punks. I kind of respected it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something on your site that uh, I don't know if this is still uh, active, but you offered a podcaster support group. Yeah. 
Yes. Is that still going on? Yes, it's uh, got 29,000 members now on Facebook. Oh my, okay. Wow. That is terrifying. Truly terrifying. Yeah, in a podcaster support group, what is, what is the first step? I think the first step to recovery is probably not looking at most of the posts because they'll depress you so much <laughs> yes. about podcasters and podcasting or just make you feel very bored where people are very yeah. into what the different types of microphone are. I don't know. <laughs> really don't care about them. I can imagine that you're getting members every day because just when I thought podcasting could not get more saturated, I just learned mm -hmm. that my, former v vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, is starting a podcast. Yo, yes. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, There's no irony anymore, is there, Helen? <laughs> remember when it was uh, just a left-wing enclave of the media? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wonderful. You have so many members, and you offer real support. I didn't, I didn't mean to make light of it. You, you really help people who, who want to, to get better at podcasting. Uh, what kind of stuff do you wish you had known before you had started? I'm actually glad that I didn't, because I think now when you start, there's an overwhelming amount of information available, and that can really mm. stop you in your tracks doing anything. I was quite lucky that I did not know about all the things that maybe I should have known about. And that meant there were fewer things to put me off at the start. Yeah, the ignorance kind of makes you brave sometimes, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. My dad in the early 70s suddenly decided to become a sculptor just out of nowhere. He was a management consultant and uh, he did an, a night class in art just to segue into sculpting, but thought it was pretentious. So gave that up and did industrial welding, which uh, was a skill that he then used for... 40 plus years of sculpting. Wow. Yeah, very cool. Well, speaking of your family, the last thing I want to ask you about, uh, I saw a TED talk that you gave mm. and you opened it with a photo <laughs> of one of your relative's gravestones. And if you don't mind just briefly saying, why did you open that TED talk with a photo of your grandmother's gravestone? Oh, because it's really one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> My grandmother's gravestone had a typo on it. It had been quite a contentious thing to get the text on already between my dad and his family. And they settled on the rather bland, remembered with love and respect by her family and friends. But the stonemason left the R out of friends. <gasps> fiends. So it became yeah. fiends. Which was incredible because otherwise it would have just looked like an error. But that looked deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are remembered by all of us, family, friends, fiends and listeners. We thank you so much for joining us. Helen Zaltzman. Thanks. Helen Hong, against whom will Helen Zaltzman be competing today? He is a Grammy and Emmy winning comedian, actor and author who is the longest running contributor on The Daily Show. It's Louis Black. Hello, Louis Black. Hello. Very nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to see anybody. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm flattered when you put it that way. <laughs> I made the mistake the other day when we were talking before the show of asking, how are you? Because you answer that in a very interesting way these days. I just think it's the wrong question. We right. all know how we are. We're, what are we? <laughs> we're, you know, we, we, we're, we're we happy to be like this? And if you're, and if you say to somebody how you doing and they're happy, then chances are they're a recluse or a psychotic. Right. I feel like what I say is I'm okay. Yeah. Which is to me like the height of it. Yeah, Louis, I am delighted to finally meet you and to learn that you are just as surly in person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, if we were sitting somewhere, I wouldn't be. Right. In this venue, on a screen, I feel <laughs> the necessity to be 
but that is part of my part of me. Well, Helen mentioned in your intro, of course, you were the longest running contributor of The Daily Show. You, of course, go back to when Jon Stewart was on and also continuing now with Trevor Noah. And before, uh, before Jon Stewart, even before with, with Kilborn. Yeah, Craig Kilborn. And that was that was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> and if he's the expert today. I'm yeah. out of here. I would be very surprised when we find out what your topics are later if he ends up being one of them. But boy, that would be something special. Uh, but, but you were saying that people – I, of course, associate you with The Daily Show immediately. But you say some people forget that, you, that you're on or that you've been on that long? Well, now that uh, Trevor's on it, some people have kind of stopped. There's a group that stopped watching, and so they don't know. Mm. And I'm on really kind of once a month. So yeah. they don't really watch it that regularly. So – but they're always asking, they're always saying, we miss you on The Daily Show. And I go, no, I'm on The Daily Show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to miss me. I'm still there. What I find so interesting about uh, your time getting onto The Daily Show is that at that time, you were not uh, as big of a stand-up comedian. You really came from New York theater, and you were still very involved in it at that time. Yeah. I mean, I was doing stand-up, and mm -hmm. I was known within this New York community, and right. I was starting to tour as a comic throughout the United States. My aspiration was to be a playwright. Is that the time when you were doing a lot of playwriting at that theater in New York at the, the, the West End? It was the, yeah, it was called the West Bank Cafe. West and Bank. We had, a, we had like what would be called in, in England a pub theater. It was downstairs, 100 seats, a bar. We did more new American one-act plays than any other theater in the country. And what we learned was that there was no interest in in America. <laughs> well, that can be a valuable lesson. <laughs> you actually are an inspiration to a lot of people who want to get into comedy at a little bit of an older age because a lot of people refer to you, you know, you didn't you weren't like 19 when you started stand up like a lot of comics were or are. I was doing it on the side like a hobby. So that was really kind of where I was coming from. And so I was doing it, but I was but it was a way in which I could get my writing out there mm. without having to wait for a theater to do something. And so eventually I, I created a body of work that people seem to find interesting in terms of my of my of my stand up. Absolutely. And that led to me finally getting some of my plays done, which I couldn't get done. Interesting. And do the plays have, like, if, if somebody saw a Lewis Black written play, would they recognize the voice in it, uh, knowing your onstage persona as well? No. It's no. Different parts of you. I wrote I, the, my most uh, kind of mainstream play, the one that I thought would kind of get me a job mm -hmm. as a professor. <laughs> was a romantic comedy and a farce. Is that what you wanted to do? You wanted to be a professor? Well, that's what I, I didn't, I wanted to be a playwright, but I figured that I could. But, but that's that, how you make money as a playwright. That's how I would do it, as opposed to selling yeah. drugs. <laughs> ah. Oh my God, I would love to be a student in your class. <laughs> and I would love to be a customer of you as a drug dealer. But it's, it's all relative. <laughs> Lewis, uh, of course, you did go on to a tour and you've had many specials. Tell us about your most recent special, which had some very interesting timing to it. My most recent special was called Thanks for Risking Your Life. It was performed on the, the last day of my performance, March, March 13th, my last live performance. It was one of the last live performances before the shutdown in the United States of everything. And mm -hmm. we were just lucky to have cameras following. We had... It wasn't done. We, we it was never expected to be a special, and it's and Whoa. it's kind of uh, 
We had two cameras because we were in a casino and two cameras that I have on. <gasps> and so it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of a real special. Wow. But you still. got it just under the yeah. wire. I mean, that, that, that literally was probably one of the last live stage performances in the country then. Yeah, it was. And it was also that I thought it was important to just get it out there as kind of a historical piece, even if people didn't laugh at it. <laughs> they mm. could see wow. that final moment. There's at times there's a laughter in that audience mm. that borders on hysteria. <laughs> That's terrific. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, Helen mentioned in your intro that you were an Emmy-winning comedian, actor, and author, but your Emmy didn't come for a kind of work that a lot of people might think about. Tell us what you got your Emmy for. The HBO had a show uh, about the NFL, a weekly show, in which they did the, you know, what happened that week. My friend and I, John Bowman, who was the, helped me write it, and he really did a lot of the writing of it. We did these like a minute and a half, two minute, three minute, four minute pieces, comedy pieces. They were very kind. When they were up for the Emmy, they put us as a part of the programming. And uh, in terms of what they, uh, the, you know, what they give in into mm -hmm. the, to the Emmy folks. And, and, and I ended, we ended up with Emmys. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and for those who don't know, Helen, Helen Hong, NFL, the, the F is football. And uh, for oh. Helen Zaltzman, the football is American gridiron football, not what you call football oh. in the yeah. UK. Thank yeah. you. So it's a, sport, a sports Emmy. Wow. It was a sports Emmy. But it was really a comedy Emmy for yes. sports. Excellent. Well, we thank you so much for sharing your award-winning humor and insight with us. It's Lewis Black. All right, Lewis and Helen, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Helen, you told us you know a lot about old English riddles, themed towns in the United States, and the TV show Naked and Afraid. Whereas, Lewis, <laughs> you said you know a lot about 1960s Broadway, the movie Dr. Strangelove, and reasons not to practice Judaism. <laughs> Quite a contrast, if there ever was one. I really hope we get some chances to steal on each other's topics. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It is time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. You'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, it's the time of the season. And that's time, T-H-Y-M-E. First up is Helen Zaltzman. Helen, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen Hong? It's from Jason Gottschall of Arlington, Virginia. Thank you, Jason. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. All right, Helen Zaltzman, in the topic of time of the season, time. Now, first off, do you pronounce time with the H or not where you are in the UK? I don't. You don't. Okay, well, and that's I not the question. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Nobody says, nobody says thyme? I've not heard thyme. Maybe I'm not moving in the right circles. What about, what about thymey? Is that thymey's yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how is rhythm T-H-Y-M, but time is T-H-Y-M-E? Anyway. I mean, um, how much do you want this to be like a, a sort of boring lecture? <laughs> uh, well, let's wait till we, we don't mind a boring lecture, but let's wait till we get to the actual question. Oh, yes. Because time is either an herb or a spice, which is also not the question. Uh -huh. uh, what is the question is this. What is the difference between an herb and a spice? An herb and a spice. Ooh, I bet this is very contentious. Is it that... The herb is leaves and a spice. Wait, so you do pronounce the H in herb? 
I d- yeah, yes, yeah. no. I pronounced the H in her, but not in time. Interesting. If you're expecting I didn't mean to interrupt, consistency but I was so for me, then uh, dream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it that? Please continue, though. Is it that herbs are leaves of the plants mm-hmm. and spices are roots and seed pods? Is that your answer for uh, for us? Yes. Okay, we've got Helen Zaltzman's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Lewis, if you don't think she's got it right, you can steal. What do you think? Well, I mean, I could go with that because I really have an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could also say that herb is a person <laughs> and spice is something you put on food. Is that what you're going to say? I think so, because I think it basically is is maybe close to, you know, uh, I think I gave it a shot. You definitely gave it a shot. All right, well, this segment is running out of time. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both herbs or herbs and spices come from plants, but the difference is that herbs are the leaves and flower petals from a plant. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme are all examples of herbs. Spices are any other part of a plant. Things like cinnamon, which is a bark, or ginger, which is a root, or pepper, which is a fruit, or poppy seeds, which it turns out are seeds. Those are all spices. All right, that is right, of course. Uh, Herbs can often be used when fresh, where spices are usually preserved by drying. Some plants give us both herbs and spices, like cilantro provides us its leafy herbs, but the spice coriander comes from the cilantro seed. And to some people, they both taste like soap. Helen, how did they do? I think Helen Zaltzman got both of those correct. Very good. That's two points for Helen Zaltzman. Very proud. Now, uh, I should point out that my grandfather was named Herb. Do we want to give a half a point for Lewis, Helen? Sure. Yeah. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, that was very kind. Wow. Little little hat tip to Herbert Van Stratton. Yeah. All right. Well, up next in time of the season is Lewis with season. Lewis, they are both ways to change the taste of food, but what is the difference between seasoning and flavoring? Seasoning and flavoring. And again, bonus points if you can mention any of my other grandparents in your answer. (laughs) Yes. What you will be able to tell from this segment is that uh, how little is in my kitchen (laughs) and why I'm waiting for a food delivery. I see. My belief is flavoring is something that you add that is, um, can be uh, artificial. Okay. Gives a, uh, a taste that uh, you, you know, there's like chocolate flavoring. It's not made of chocolate. Okay. And then uh, the seasoning I think is a, a legitimate way to actually, um, you know, is a, a natural way natural, in okay. to, is a flavor. Yeah, is a natural way to flavor. Natural way to flavor something. would be a season. Artificial would be flavoring. Yes. All right, very good. We have uh, Lewis's yeah. answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Helen Zaltzman, what do you think? I'm going to go for flavoring being kind of integral to making the food stuff, whereas seasoning mm-hmm. is added later and adjustable to each individual eater's preferences. Mm-hmm. And especially your grandmother, Barbara, just trying to oh, get that bonus very- point. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice attempt. We'll wow. see if that pays off. All right, this segment is becoming bland. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. The difference is not so much about the substances themselves, but about what effect they have on the food to which you are adding them. Seasoning doesn't introduce anything really new, but enhances a taste that already exists in a food. Salt, 
pepper, and lemon juice are considered seasonings. Flavoring introduces something new and significantly changes the taste of a food. Extremely hot peppers or soapy cilantro are considered flavorings. Uh, that is right. Now, uh, something that starts out as a seasoning can become a flavoring if you use too much of it, and it overwhelms the original taste of the food, which to me is inevitable when you're making tofu. Helen, how did our guest do? I don't think either one of you got any of that right. And neither does my grandmother, Virginia. No. <laughs> Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Helen Zaltzman has two points and Lewis Black has half a point. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. You know, everyone, this has been a stressful time for lots of people. And one thing that I've found to help take the edge off is CBD. Not to get high, but to help me relax. But I don't like how some CBD oils can take over an hour to absorb. And it's hard to get an accurate measurement. But Caliper CBD powder is easy. It dissolves easily and is fast acting. I can get all the benefits of CBD in just 10 minutes from convenient 20 milligram packs. You can put it in just about anything. I like stirring the powder into a cup of tea at night and it's zero calories and zero carbs. And Caliper CBD powder is always THC free so I can feel better without the high. If I wanna get high, I got other ways. Whether I've had a stressful day or just been sitting in a chair for too long, I like Caliper CBD powder to help calm me down and ease the soreness and discomfort of the day. And I think you might like it too, especially with a discount. Helen? Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code GOFACT at tricaliper.com slash GOFACT. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. That's tricaliper.com slash GOFACT. And don't forget promo code GOFACT for 20% off your first order. Thank, Thank you, Caliper CBD powder. <laughs> Bria, what's your reader wheelhouse? A woman on a journey, space, post-apocalyptic roads, and magical food. Mallory, what's your reader wheelhouse? Werewolves, haunted houses, weird fiction, and uh, books set in Florida for, for some reason. We're reading glasses, and we want to know what your reader wheelhouse is. We can use it to help you find more books that you love. And avoid books that you don't. So whatever you like to read about and however you like to read it. We want to help you read better. Reading glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Helen Zaltzman with two points and Lewis Black with half a point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. All right, Helen Zaltzman, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about old English riddles, themed towns in the United States, and the TV show Naked and Afraid. <laughs> Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us, why did you choose old English riddles? And maybe you could give an example of what that is for our listeners who aren't familiar. Well, uh, when you say I know a lot, <laughs> I don't really feel like I know anything about anything at any point. But I was trying to think, when did I know something? Well, I did do a degree. <laughs> what do I remember from it? That we studied... Old English riddles, because there wasn't... So Old English is the period of writing roughly from about the year 500 to the French invasion in 1066. And during that, they wrote a lot of like religious poetry, some kind of heroes battling monsters poetry and oh. riddles. The answer to which was either Jesus or a penis. <laughs> 
And that's what I remember from three years of uh, university. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an example of an old English riddle that you remember? Uh, Well, every word of it. Um, I could probably... Is it old, like oldie? Like O-L-D-E? It's even more oldie than than that. I mean, they they, oh. they, they put those... Is it the oldie? To, to make lines, you know, before they could automatically justify text. They were like, oh, this line ah. is looking a bit scant. Let's add some E's at the end of words. <laughs> so <laughs> it's oldie-e-e. Two it's things. oldie-e-e-e. <laughs> I definitely remember that there was one... It ends with something about the curly-haired woman who catches me fast will feel our meeting, her eye will be wet. It's not clever. Um, <laughs> they've substituted eye for a different part of the body. Okay, fair enough. And again, Fanny means the opposite of what it means here. Uh, all right. You also told us, Helen, that you know a lot about themed towns in the United States. Yes, love a themed town of the United States. Very exciting, because in, in Britain... All of the towns I've been to have just been themed town rather than <laughs> after another place. Whereas yeah. I've been to Leavenworth in Washington, which is Bavarian themed. Also, Helen mm-hmm. in Georgia is Bavarian themed. But I think Leavenworth is better. I've been to Solvang in, in uh, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Keen to go to Frankenmuth in uh, in Michigan. Do, have you done a themed tour or you just, you just hit them like when you can hit them? Yeah, I mean, when the opportunity arises... Yeah. Get me to those themed towns. <laughs> and what is it that you like about them so much, do you think? It's just impressive. Leavenworth in Washington was the first one I went to. I was on um, a road trip for my honeymoon. And I just couldn't believe it. It's so incredibly thorough. Even the Starbucks signs are done in this sort of like <gasps> cute Bavarian Edelweiss wow. entwined paintwork. And there's all this umpa music. It's just quite glorious. I don't know what it's like to live there, whether you'd be like, Love just it. stop yeah. umpa at me. I don't care about the Nutcracker Museum. <laughs> just yeah. leave me in peace. It's, it's like a little a little extra vacation within a vacation. You're like, oh, I was uh, in the Pacific Northwest and Bavaria on the same day. <laughs> Astonishing. It's very efficient. That, that's very well said. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. And then finally, Helen, tell us why you chose the TV show Naked and Afraid. <laughs> well, partly because it's something that I would le- like never to participate in in my life. <laughs> uh, the reason why I like it is because I used to travel to the States a lot when um, I was not on lockdown. They would play a lot of Naked and Afraid in a row. And I think wow. what I found compelling is that there's two people thrown together and they have to kind of just do a lot of craft chores together. (laughs) I love crafts. And quite often there's a really arrogant man who's like, yeah, I can kill a bear just with my elbows. Oh, yeah, I'm so manly. And then there's a woman who's like, I just wanted to prove that I could do something for myself. And then like after two days, the man is like, oh, please go and kill a bear with your elbow and feed it to me while she's like weaving a house out of old grass. I think doing crafts while naked is probably one of the more dangerous things you can do. Yeah, spiky. Yeah, I mean, there's if there's hot glue involved and there's yeah. no you're wearing nothing. Yikes. Yeah. That's why they're afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so to summarize, Helen Zaltzman, you said that you know a lot about old English riddles, themed towns in the United States, and the TV show Naked and Afraid. Today we're going to quiz you about themed towns in the United States. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite of the ones that you've been to? And are there ones that you haven't been to that you're you're eager to uh, check out? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very eager to try Frankenmuth in, uh, in Michigan because I think it was actually founded by Germans. But Leavenworth mm-hmm. in Washington is my favorite so far. Uh, Some good one. if you like windmills. 
And those giant mugs, just a giant <laughs> mug of beer, and you're halfway yeah. there. Yeah, on a big sausage. <laughs> just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you wanted your lot a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Lewis, do listen closely because you can steal if Helen gets any wrong. Lewis, by the way, how much do you know about themed towns in the United States? I know enough that I'll probably uh, lose three or four points on this. Really? It, it, you, you'll change the yes. rules of the game completely to the point where someone can lose points. That is quite <laughs> yeah. a lot of knowledge. No, I, I, I know a few things about Okay, well, we'll see if uh, uh, Helen yeah. Zaltzman gives you a chance to uh, chime in. But this first question yeah. is... He's bluffing. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The stakes couldn't be higher or lower. Uh, all right, Helen Zaltzman, here's your first question about theme towns in the United States. Some places in the United States make their theme out of a company that operates there. For instance, one community in the Northeast has a main street called Chocolate Avenue, a tourist attraction called Chocolate World, and bills itself as the sweetest place on earth. <laughs> what is the name of this Pennsylvania community with a notable candy factory? Ooh, is, is, that's presumably where the Hershey's exists. So therefore it is called? Is it called Hershey or Hersheyville? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <gasps> it is Hershey, yes. Oh, okay. Hershey, Pennsylvania. I shouldn't have second-guessed myself. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I, was, I knew that one. Here's a fun fact. When Hershey High School plays football against Milton S. Hershey High School, it's called the Cocoa Bean Game. Aww. I would have gone for the Chocolate Bowl, but, you know, that's just me. All right, you've got one point. Here's your second question, Helen Zaltzman. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling you're going to get this one right. There's a town in Georgia with about 500 residents, yet it's the third most visited city in the state. One reason for its popularity could be the Bavarian Alpine theme throughout the city, but I'm guessing you think it has more to do with its name, which is what? It's Helen. Helen. She says Helen. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> I have been there. And of course, I took a lot of photos of me standing next to the Helen Police Department. And <laughs> pick up litter for a tidy Helen. All of them. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. Well, according to the Department of the Interior database, there are five other populated places in the U.S. named Helen that hmm. you can visit. Uh, there's Florida, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Washington, and West Virginia. Yet mm. somehow there are zero places named J. Keith. Helen, I think you and I should take a road trip and hit all the Helens. That would be wonderful. Like I would love that. Two Helens and all the Helens. Helen and Helen visit Helen? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh Hell my yeah. God. Yes, please. Soon as... Yes, as soon indeed. as this pandemic is, uh, yes. is out of our lives. Yes. yes. I can't drive, by the way, just to warn you. Oh, uh -oh. I, I'll drive. I'll drive. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Question number three. You're two for two. Helen, the center of Tombstone, Arizona is designated as a National Historic Landmark District because of its well-preserved Old West buildings. And three times each day, you can watch men get killed in a historically <laughs> accurate recreation of what 1881 battle? Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to just embarrass myself due to my... Uh... Well, you do, have a, you do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. Uh, you do have a hint so available if you'd like to use yeah. the hint. Okay, I'll, I'll use the hint since, since you've suggested it very strongly. <laughs> Helen Hong, how about that first hint? The famous name of the battle includes the location of a pretty decent horse enclosure. Is it, oh, is it, it's not the, um, it's not corral of some sort, is it? Just trying to read your Helen, poison. how did you describe that horse enclosure? A pretty decent horse pretty enclosure. Pretty decent. Okay, correct. Okay, that was beautiful. That's a wonderful, wonderful hint. Thank you. 
gunfight at the OK Corral? Helen Hong? That is correct. That is correct. Excellent use of the hand, Helen Zaltzman. Well, the gunfight at the OK Corral. <laughs> <laughs> Very good fun fact. That famous gunfight actually did not take place at the OK Corral, hmm. but right next to C.S. Fly's photographic studio. But the gunfight at C.S. Fly's photographic studio just didn't work with the marketing plan. All right, Helen, you are three for three. Here is question number four. The communities of Lilydale, New York, Casadega, Florida, and Camp Chesterfield, Indiana, are each focused on practicing what religious movement? Hmm. So the same religious movement. Is it exclusive to those three towns? Or have you just picked uh, three towns that go heavy on that religious movement? We pick, we pick three towns where it, it is a theme of the town. Hmm. That everywhere you go, you will see evidence of this being the theme of the town. And again, you do have another hint if you'd like to use it. Uh, I'm sort of hoping it's Zen Buddhism. Would you like a second hint? Yeah, I mean, I'm setting myself up for fifth question failure, but uh, live for the now. Live for the now. Helen, how about that second hint? According to the famous Bible verse, this can be willing even if the flesh is weak. Oh, so the spirit is where the spirit is willing. So is it spiritualism? Is that a religion or is it more of like a practice? Well, we did say religious movement. Would you like to okay. say that? Say your answer again? Yeah, I'll go spiritualism, please. Helen Hong? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice use of the hint. Fun fact, you can see the theme of spiritualism in these towns on the signs outside virtually every home advertising some sort of psychic service. Spiritualism is based on the belief that dead people can communicate with the living. Casadega, Florida, in fact, bills itself as the psychic capital of the world. Uh, Lewis, I see you nodding. Uh, you're familiar with these towns? I'm familiar with Lilydale. Oh, okay. There ah, you go. you've yeah. been there? I've been through it. There's some great and some very shady. And uh, Yeah. A lot of neon signs of hands, though. Dan Aykroyd's father used to visit there a lot. Dan oh. Aykroyd would visit there. Yeah. That tracks. Helen Dalton, you are four for four. You have a chance to go five for five if you can get this next question correct. You have no more hints available, yet I have a feeling you might be able to pull this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, like Helen, Georgia, Leavenworth, Washington is a Bavarian-themed town. But you don't have to love German stuff to visit its iconic museum, a museum that boasts over 7,000 specimens of what food opening device? Nutcrackers. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Helen's ultimate is five for five. That's an incredible single implement museum. It really is. <laughs> it is. We thought that was going to be the trickiest one. We put that as a number five, but you even mentioned it before we had the chance to. It was even going to hum for the hint. Yes, you did not need the hint, but Helen, what would that hint have been? Do, do, do. Do 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 made up wow, okay. grass. Interesting. It's a, you, can, you can't take photos. So I, I went in 2011. So my memory is is unfortunately not prompted by visual mm. aids. But I do remember having a chat with uh, the woman who runs it. And she was like, oh, you're from Britain. Have you seen the blah, blah, blah private collection of nutcrackers there? And I said, like, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> if only. I mean, I'm not in like... the nutcracking circles. So probably wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> they assume that everyone who visits there is, you know, making the circuit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, think it's well, just, I think it's genius that they're not allowed to, they don't allow you to take photos because right, if they did allow you back. to take like why would you ever go there if you could just right. see them online because <laughs> they're multi-dimensional nutcrackers Helen you want to see the, yes, of the glory the textures 
Fun fact, unlike some of the other towns we've discussed, Leavenworth became a themed town as a conscious choice in the 1960s to bring in more tourists, and it evidently worked. Mm -hmm. All right, Helen, you obviously did very well in that round going five for five, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Helen, one of the most celebrated themed towns in the USA is about 120 miles from where I'm sitting now in Los Angeles, the town of Solvang, California. So for up to three points, what Scandinavian country is the primary influence of Solvang's theme? What famous statue from that country is replicated in Solvang with a half-sized bronze? And what U.S. president lived so close to Solvang that he cast votes during elections at the town's Veterans Memorial Hall? Ooh. Um, okay, so it's uh, founded by Danes, and mm -hmm. there is a statue of the Little Mermaid there. As for okay. the president, though, just very, really ash just ashamed of my non-themed American <laughs> histories. Well, I know whenever you visit a themed town, usually you look up what president voted here. So Yeah, or nearby. <laughs> Um, or nearby, yes. Let's say uh, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. All right. So you said it was uh, founded uh, by Danes, which would be Denmark as the theme, The Little mm. Mermaid, and Ronald Reagan. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is the mayor of Solvang, <gasps> California. It's Mayor Charlie Urig. Mayor Charlie Urig. Eliciting a gasp from Helen Zaltzman. That mayor is... Urig, thank you so much <laughs> for making time during the day to uh, join us on the show. Well, I'm really been looking forward to this and enjoying hearing all of the uh, questions and the answers going on. A bit of a tidbit for Helen there. Leavenworth was actually built, as you mentioned, there was a, a concerted effort to have tourism over there brought about. They came mm -hmm. down to Solvang oh. to actually get the idea. And Solvang's, some of their early architects and builders from our area went up to actually design and build Leavenworth. Did a great job. Another little bit of information for a theme song. That's a great fun fact. Thank you. There you go. Earlier, I don't know if you heard, uh, Helen said that uh, solving is nice if you like windmills. If you like <laughs> yes. windmills, you should definitely go. I yes. cannot emphasize that strongly enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit more about you. Your role as mayor is a relatively new position for you. Tell us about when and how you came to be in office. I was just elected in November of this past year, and we took officially office uh, December 14th. So it's just been a little couple of months. Yeah. Going. I, Prior to that, I was the, uh, I'm in law enforcement. So I'm a full-time deputy sheriff here in Santa Barbara County. And prior to my running for the mayor, I was the community resource deputy for the city of Solvang specifically, uh, was one of the things that I wanted to do. It was one of my dreams to be able to live and work uh, in the same town. What are some of the wild crimes that take place in Solvang? Like, are people stealing windmills or clog clogs or what's going on over there? We actually caught Don Quixote for trespassing. Wow, you know? wow that's, so. that's quite a nab you made there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, nobody's trying to steal the windmills. That's mm -hmm. What we do is light them up during our Yule Fest, which is a great time to come to Solvang mm -hmm. during the winter. That's kind of our our special time that I think we really shine as a, as mm -hmm. a little town. You obviously seem like a cool dude, and I think that that is justified <laughs> by the fact that you're in two bands as well. Yes, I'm very fortunate. I get to play in an 80s rock band with my boys, my two sons. And oh, then, wow. Uh, wow. I've, I've been in a couple of other bands with some really good friends of mine. I've... Are any of the songs about windmills or clogs or <laughs> Denmark? <laughs> <laughs> And if not, why not? 
Sadly, no. Oh, <laughs> you need to get no, on that you, there. It's a cover band that I do with my boys. Okay. <laughs> you could cover Windmill in Old Amsterdam and just change the lyrics a bit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> if you ever write an original song, it's either got to be about windmills, clogs, or Denver. Yeah. Does Solvang have a theme song? You know what? There are a couple of celebration songs, which I'm very inept in the Danish language. Oh, okay. <laughs> the only thing that I know is when we have our Aquavit, School. Yes, that, that, that's a good thing to know. Well, um, of course, people know of Solvang as a, a Danish-themed town, but can you give us a little bit of a thumbnail sketch of, of sort of uh, what Solvang is and, and what you love about it so much, why you wanted to be mayor? I love it just because it's so magical. We have lights on all the time here. In Christmas time, we line the streets with Christmas trees as well. And then the end, one of the highlight things that I really enjoy is a, a number of the residents from the entire community get together for our Christmas tree burn. Sadly, this last year, we were not able to have that, but it's literally a huge pile of about four to 500 Christmas trees in the front area in front of our mission, San Inez, and probably, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 people will come out. It's actually done as a training demonstration for how not to have fire around sure. dry Christmas trees. So it start it starts off as a safety demonstration, but it ends up as like a pyromania like fest. <laughs> it ends up as a rave, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. It's awesome. You know, we have Death Leopard here. No, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. We don't. Oh no. <laughs> but uh, we do have music. I actually do the DJ for the music because we have to have music. Is there a cooler Everything. mayor than Mayor Urig? You play in a band, you DJ the big bonfire. Oh. Hey, you got to do what you can, right? Indeed. I, I'm uh, an old guy, but I like to hang around all the young people. <laughs> on a more serious issue, we are, of course, uh, recording this uh, as we're having this pandemic. And uh, I know that's been one of the big issues that you, that you ran on is how you're going to manage uh, the closings and openings and you know the, the, the different uh, conflicts that people are having uh, with that. And, of course, being a town that relies so much on tourism, what's sort of the, the thinking about how and when you're going to be able to open and what are you really looking forward to when Solvang is able to fully reopen? I'm just really looking forward to having uh, the parades which we have going right down our main street which is highway 246 and all of ours pretty much are just big loops but it's just really wonderful to be able to have the community out and we get everybody from all over the place. I think mm. we have some of the best. We get a lot of community involvement in order to be able to have them. One of the first ones that would come up in May which is the same day as the Kentucky Derby is the Rancheros Visitadores. That is billed as the largest equestrian parade in California. And I think there's literally about 800 horses mm. and uh, cowboys that all come. They come to get a blessing for a week of frivolity here yeah. in the ranches. <laughs> yeah. So you can and, come uh, for the Able Skyver, stay for the uh, horses, <laughs> stay for the yes, horse parade. Yes. So. <laughs> That's, you know, that. And then coming up in August, we're hoping to have one of the first car shows again in California, the wheels and windmills. Mm -hmm. So we're now back to the windmills. Again. Yes, the it all comes back to the windmills, right, Ellen? Yes, it does. The wheels and windmills car show will be coming up the last Saturday of August. And if things go well, mm -hmm. we'll actually be able to hold it. Uh, we weren't able to host it this last yeah. year again due to the pandemic. Well, I really appreciated when I was I was uh, watching some of your the videos when you were running for mayor that uh, you you really were running on a platform of taking the pandemic seriously and opening intelligently and making sure people are are cared for in that way. I think that's really the bottom line is we just want everybody to be able to open safely and care for each other as long as we care for each other and wear our mask and social distance. I think 
that's really what is the way we need to show our love to everybody. Indeed. It's so nice to hear a mayor talk about uh, terms of taking care of people and of love. It's, it's really refreshing. All right. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Helen Zaltzman about I the did. town of Solving, California. First, we wanted to know from her what Scandinavian country is the primary influence of Solving's theme. Helen Hong, what did Helen Zaltzman say? Helen said the Danes or Denmark. And uh, Mayor? That is correct. That is correct for a point. Very good, Helen Zaltzman. Thanks. Next, we wanted to know what famous statue from that country is replicated in Solving with a half-sized bronze. Helen Hong, what did Helen Zaltzman say? Helen said the Little Mermaid. And Mr. Mayor? That is also correct. That is correct for another point for Helen. Uh, Can you tell us briefly a little bit about that uh, replica statue that you have there? At the corner of Alisal and Mission right there in the uh, northwest corner is right next to Chomp Restaurant, there's a large uh, fountain. Hey, you got to get in a plug when of you course, can. Of course, of right? course. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sick of politicians taking money from Big Chomp. I think it's yes, gone on for so go. long. So uh, it's right there, and it's, uh, it is actually a, a half-sized replica of the Little Mermaid. Very good. All right. That's another point there for Helen Zaltzman. And finally, we wanted to know from Helen Zaltzman what U.S. president lives so close to Solvang that he cast votes during elections at the town's Veterans Memorial Hall. Helen Hong, what did Helen Zaltzman say? Helen guessed Ronald Reagan. And Mayor Urig? That was a very good guess because that is correct. <gasps> a perfect score for no. Helen Zaltzman in her quiz. <laughs> It was the spirit of theme towns in me. (laughs) (laughs) It lives within you. And Mayor Yurig, you actually got to uh, go up and see President Reagan's uh, ranch, which was right near there. Yes. One of the uh, reasons I was up there was because uh, we had a number of fires that happened during the summertime. And one of them was called the Sherpa Fire, which was started right at the across the street from where Reagan has his ranch up there. Mm on uh, West Camino Cielo. Very interesting. All right. Wow. Well, congratulations, Helen Zaltzman. Before we let the mayor go, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to him while he's here? Oh, I mean, now I feel overwhelmed <laughs> with possibility. <laughs> uh, what what haven't you done yet as mayor that you're pretty excited by the possibility of doing for the town? Well, now that I get to be a podcaster, you know, I don't know. I may have to start doing some of that myself, right? Excellent. Join the rest of everybody. Right. Now's the time. Now's the time. Excellent. Well, we're so happy that you joined us. Uh, good luck with getting through the rest of this pandemic. And thank you so much for joining us, Mr. <laughs> Mayor Charlie Urig of Solvang. Again, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Good luck to both of you. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right, Helen Hong, what is her score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Helen Zaltzman has 10 points, and Lewis Black has half a point with a round of questions for Lewis coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Lewis about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Lewis and Helen will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Oh, Helen, I'm so happy because I get to tell people about one of my favorite things I've discovered this year, Magic Spoon. You know, I've heard from three good friends and one stranger who inappropriately messaged me. Uh, (laughs) They all unsolicitedly told me that they ordered Magic Spoon because Magic Spoon sponsors Go Fact Yourself and they loved it. Every time I get a new box of Magic Spoon, it is the best day of the week. Because, you know, we're all trying to eat better, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. Helen, tell them the good stuff. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 
13 to 14 grams of protein and only 4 net grams of carbs and only 140 calories in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And we've got some exciting news. Blueberry is now back in stock after being sold out. You can get blueberry on its own. You can build your own box. They got cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. And I just got two boxes of birthday cake. I use it with unsweetened uh, vanilla almond milk to keep it low carb. I also am not above telling you that I eat it right out of the box sometimes. (laughs) It tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but is super nutritious. It's delicious, but super healthy cereal that really brings joy to your mornings or afternoons or evenings. Oh, and you got to try this. You can mix the flavors. I can't believe I didn't think about this. You can mix cocoa and peanut butter. Tastes like a peanut butter cup. Ooh, that's advanced. Well, you can go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab some blueberry or a custom bundle of cereal to try it today. Be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5. This offer is now good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Magic Spoon is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, and I don't think you won't not like it. Does that make sense? I don't think you won't not. I think you're going to love it. But if you don't, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, that's magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact. Thank Thank you, you, Magic Magic Spoon. Spoon. (laughs) I'm Judge John Hodgman. And I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. Ten years ago, I came on Jordan Jesse Go and judged my first dispute. Is chili a soup? It's a stew, obviously. The judge has dispensed a decade of justice. He's the one person wise enough to answer the really important questions. Like, should you hire a mime to perform at your own funeral? After they cry, I want them to laugh. Do you really need a tank full of jellyfish in your den? They smell like living creatures decaying. (laughs) Only if they are decaying. Yeah, which they will be. Real people, real justice, real comedy. Winner of the Webby Award for Best Comedy Podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast, every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Helen Zaltzman with 10 points and Lewis Black with half a point. Once again, here's Jay Keith Van Stratton. All right. Thank you, Helen. Lewis, please, please don't cry. You've got a chance to get as many points as uh, Helen Zaltzman did. It's not a fair portrayal of the scoring yet. You haven't had your time. <laughs> no, but I actually, I was kind of surprised that I knew like some of the answers to yours. That made my day. That's impressive because I didn't know any of the answers. Yes. Helen I didn't even like, know that there was a town called Helen. I had no idea there was a town called Helen. Well, I had five. no idea. I was like, what? It's that a game changer. Amazing. All right, Lewis Black, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1960s Broadway, the movie Dr. Strangelove, and reasons not to practice Judaism. Let's find out a little <laughs> bit more about each of those. First of all, tell us why you chose 1960s Broadway for your topic. Well, my parents were uh, big theater goers, huge theater goers, and uh, saw literally the history of American theater from like the 30s on. They had um, collected a, a whole bunch of... Um, of the uh, of Broadway albums, mm-hmm. and uh, and then when I said the sixties, I was then of course I went, is it the sixties? Did I know the fifties? Which one? <laughs> well, there would be a time then when they would bring shows through um, Washington at the mm-hmm. Schubert, and they had a basically shows would try out. So I saw shows like Hello Dolly, and mm. um, 
a number of others that before uh, the rest of the world did before yeah Broadway came, and I I somehow I, I got hooked on it and I enjoyed it and it was one of the reasons I ended up becoming att attracted to the theater that was part of it and then it was really then it was more the dramatics stuff I that really kind of got me involved all right great uh you also said you know a lot about the movie Dr. Strangelove tell us about your love of that it's the most profoundly brilliant satiric movie ever made. I just can't get over it. It's one of those movies that you just, for me, you turn it on and the performances, you just stop and you just sit there and start watching. Mm. It was one of the things I kind of uh, was hoping that my work in some way mm. uh, could aspire to. Not Very even good. close. Yeah, I was going to say, how's that going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Finally, Lewis, said, you know a lot about the reasons not to practice Judaism. Yeah, it's not been, uh, it wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't work out. And uh, uh, I know you wanted to make clear that these are your reasons not to practice Judaism. These are not yes. telling other people why they no, should. Whatever, I've got friends who were very much attracted to the traditions of it. Mm -hmm the whole Friday night and the lighting the candles and yeah. saying the prayers. And I get all of that. Yes. And the, Those the are the tradition. reasons to practice, but perhaps the reasons it, it not to practice might be. Yeah. Well, like just I kind of started out with, I, I had a really great rabbi initially and uh, I thought, boy, I'm going to do this. This is a great gig. You read the Bible <laughs> and then you, you know, essentially it's a stand up gig, but a little more serious. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so Plus I you get presents when you're 13. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yom Kippur, which is this day of atonement, just freaked me out, which is the day that God writes your name in the book of life for the book of death. No, you don't subject a five-year-old to that type of thing. It really did kind of muddy the waters. I mean, yeah, I went I think so. a little bit nuts later on because of it. Yeah. There was a, wow. a little kind of a framework of time there where I thought, yeah. oh, so that was part of the reason. Yeah. Well, thank goodness Judaism is the only religion that makes children afraid. Um, <laughs> all right, so Lewis, to summarize, you said you know a lot about 1960s Broadway, the movie Dr. Strangelove, and reasons not to practice Judaism. Today we want to quiz you about 1960s Broadway. Good. Now, uh, you actually got to play on Broadway. You did a couple of your uh, solo shows. Uh, was that especially meaning for you to be in some of the Broadway houses that maybe you had visited in the, back in the 60s or before? Yeah, it was really uh, remarkable for me to experience that. Um, I just thought it was kind of amazing that that I was the one out there. I'd written stuff for other people that I knew yeah. were really great actors to be doing it. And I thought, well, if it's got to be me, it's got to be me. But it was really, uh, it really was huge. Um, Do you sing, Lewis? Do you sing? No, it's horrific. <laughs> it's much like your sugar plum fairy thing. Oh, I, pra I practiced all night. I'll have you know. <laughs> and Lewis, what are, what are maybe some of your favorite shows of that era? You mentioned some of the ones that you got to see, but were, were there ones that really stuck with you from the from the 1960s? My Fair Lady. Yeah. Which was astonishing that I saw. I, I think I saw initially on its run through. Yeah, there. and you're still a fan of Broadway. You, I mean, obviously, we can't go now, but it, it's something that you stay engaged and active with. Yes, but more so then. And uh, I, I, I was involved in a number of uh, one theater, the Williamstown Theater Festival, that mm -hmm. I was involved with over the summers. And so uh, it was my vacation from stand up. Yeah. Where uh, so that was really good. 
Great. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with an expert level three-part question. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of the five questions. Now, Helen Saltzman, do listen closely because if Lewis answers incorrectly, you can steal. Helen, by the way, how much do you know about 1960s Broadway? Really not a whole lot. <laughs> Is West End any more helpful to you? Uh, I grew up mainly with amateur dramatics, and I don't think they could afford the rights to the good shows. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of like yeah. two to three star uh, musicals. <laughs> Got it. So you watched my not so fair lady or my, yes. <laughs> my adequate lady. My adequate Hello, lady. Hello, Jilly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Lewis, let's see if you give her a chance to uh, chime in on these. Here's your first question about 1960s Broadway. Lewis, one of the most important years for Broadway in the 1960s was 1967, when much of the nation saw its stars for the first time, because what award show made its broadcast debut on network television? Uh, the Tony Awards. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. The Tony Awards, very good. Watch by you should know probably 12 people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, that first broadcast lasted one hour. The broadcast now lasts three hours, if we're lucky. All right, you're on the board again with that. Here's question number two. I think you're going to know this one. One of the biggest box office draws of the 1960s was a hit musical that opened in 1964 with Carol Channing in the lead role, then in 1967 replaced all of its ensemble with black actors, including Pearl Bailey in the lead role. What musical was it? Hello, Dolly. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Very good. Did you get a chance to see either of those uh, productions, if you recall? I saw the Channing. The Chanting one, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. When it came yeah. through. I saw it with when my it came father. through, you saw, again, you saw that before other people did. That's In Washington, amazing. yeah. Yeah, and did you have a sense this is going to be a monster hit? You you knew. Yeah. It was one of those where, you know, everybody just went, Bleh! you yeah. know, the, everybody goes crazy. I mean, I was not that crazy, but it was still, you, you it was stunning. It was unlike people think, anything people had seen before. All right, you're yeah. two for two. Here's question number three. The Pulitzer Prize for Drama is the honor of a lifetime for most playwrights, but for one man, the Pulitzer he won in 1967 for his play A Delicate Balance was the first of three he would win. Who was this prolific and important playwright? Edward Albee. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Edward Albee. Very good. Fun fact, he won three Pulitzers, as I said, but yeah. none for what many consider his masterpiece, Who's Afraid of Who's Virginia Afraid Woolf. Of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, no Pulitzer was awarded for drama the year Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. No. Yep, they, they were like, nah, we're, we're good, we're good. You're three for three and still have two hints available. Here's question number four. It's kind of a cliche, a Broadway show whose title features an exclamation point, but it's a cliche for a reason because there have been a lot of them. Which of the following is not the title of an actual exclamation mark show to play on Broadway in the 1960s? Is it Airborne, Carnival, Donnybrook, Fiorello, Oliver, or Drat the Cat? One of those is not the title of a Broadway show of the 1960s. Airborne, the uh, you take it to so when you get on a plane so you don't get sick. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I don't know um, if they were referring to the the, the quasi scientific uh, vitamin C supplement Airborne uh, that people take. Okay, so yeah. it's well, it's either Airborne or Donnybrook, and okay. um, so I'm going to need. I I don't think it's. Would you like that first hint? Yeah, I need that hint. I don't Helen, how about that first hint? Donnie Brooke did play on Broadway in the 60s. That is your hint. What will your answer be then? Well, that's the hint. Boy, that's spectacular. That's, <laughs> the hint. that's like the answer. 
Well, it could be. Which one are you going to go for? Airborne. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Airborne, we That's made up. That's the greatest hint I've ever been given. <laughs> I thought, it, I, I actually thought it was, but I, wow. But I, yeah. but because of Airborne, that thing you did, that's now in the store, you know, God. Exactly. Yes, no. yes. Yeah, no, I'm, I, the, the hint was pretty good. It, it was no pretty decent horse enclosure, but I think it did, uh, it did get us where we needed to go. Fun fact, Fiorello won the Tony for Best Musical and a Pulitzer for Drama. It starred Tom. And, it, and uh, I saw it. Oh, very good. Oh, I can't believe that Drat the Cat was a musical. It was spectacular. <laughs> spectacular. Important. Uh, I, I never saw an that. An important piece of work, yes. But Fiorello did win. Fiorello was really uh, Yeah, it was terrific. a big hit. Fiorello won the Tony for Best Musical and a Pulitzer for Drama. It starred Tom Bosley, later who became Mr. Cunningham from Happy Days, who yes. also yeah. won a Tony. All right, Louis Black, you were four for four and have a chance to go five for five. Here is your last question. You do still have a hint available. With 1,572 performances, the longest-running non-musical Broadway play of the 1960s was written by Gene Kerr and ran for three years, from March of 1961 to December of 1964. What is the name of this play? I'm going to try to do this without a hint. Mary, okay. Mary. Ellen, Helen? That is correct, correct. <laughs> that is correct, correct. Very nice. Louis Black, also five for five. What a game we have tonight. <laughs> Uh, with a hint left so, over. Yeah, with a hint left over as well. I don't remember what happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> when I first talked to Lewis about being on the show, I believe one of the first things you said to me was, I have no memory. That was, that was an exact <laughs> quote. And yet you were able to pull all of these answers. Lewis, you did very well in that, obviously. But now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <sighs> we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Lewis, Hamilton became a huge hit on Broadway in 2015, but it wasn't the first musical to feature the founding fathers singing and dancing. In fact, it wasn't even the first one to win the Tony Award for Best Musical, because Broadway closed out the 1960s with the debut in 1969 of another musical about the American Revolution, also featuring folks like John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, and it also won the Tony for Best Musical. So your question is, for up to three points, what is the name of this historical musical? Besides Best Musical, what is one of the other Tony Awards it won? And what legendary leading lady who would go on to win a Tony Award and be called the voice of Broadway made her Broadway debut in that show playing one of our first ladies? I can't believe I can't remember this. Unbelievable. What, can you tell us something about the show that maybe, maybe those things will... Yeah, it was about it was 1776. Okay, that's the name, the name of, of it? it? Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, so the next question was, uh, besides Best Musical, what's one of the other Tony Awards it won? I think it won Best Actor. Best, Best actor, actor in a Musical. Best Actor in a Musical, okay. Yeah. Uh, and just and sorry I to break that down, there, there, I believe, is lead and featured when it comes to Tony. We, we do need you to pick one of those. It was big, so I would say lead. Best Lead Actor, okay. And the finally wanted to know uh, what uh, legendary leading lady who went on to win the Tony Award. Yeah. God, made her Broadway debut in the show, playing one of our first first ladies. Known as the voice of Broadway. Known as the voice of Broadway. Could be Bernadette Peters, but I don't remember. Do you want to just think of someone who's a, a, a legendary leading lady? Let's just go with Bernadette Peters. Okay, great. So let's put it all together. Can you give again give us the title? The title is 1776, uh, Best Lead Actor, uh, Bernadette Peters. 
All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a legendary, Tony-winning leading lady, the voice of Broadway. It's Betty Buckley. Oh, God. <laughs> idiot. I'm an idiot. Ms. Buckley, are you there? I'm here. I'm here, here, There here. she is. It's Betty Hello, Buckley. Betty. I'm sorry, <laughs> Betty. That's okay. I, no, I feel I awful. Just, that's okay, Lewis. I'm so excited to see you in person. I love Much you. Nice I just I'm such you. a fan of yours. In fact, well, years ago, I think we we did a benefit together or something, and I was we like, did. just and I, don't I was, remember what it was. I was beside myself to get to see you and in person, and and when they asked me to do this, I was like, oh my god, because I'm I'm a real fan. And now, Miss Helen, I'm a Zaltzman. I'm a fan of yours too, and Helen Hong and. Jay Keith, y'all are so great. This podcast oh, is so you. fun. Oh, thank you so much. We're so <laughs> thrilled. To, it. We're so thrilled this all worked out. Well, thank you. Well, for those who for those who are not familiar, let me just uh, give some of your bona fides from Broadway. Of <laughs> course, you would have seen uh, Ms. Buckley in things like Sunset Boulevard, Pippin, Triumph of Love, so which, for which you got a Tony nomination, Cats, for which you won the Tony, on TV shows like Eight is Enough, Pretty Little Liars, in movies like Another Woman, Carrie, and Split, and of course, over a dozen albums. Truly, the voice of Broadway, indeed. It's an honor and a thrill that you joined us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been it's been a real pleasure to sit here and listen to you guys. It's been really fun. That's great. Well, I love in your in your bio mm-hmm. on Twitter it says uh, actress slash singer slash cowgirl slash teacher. Uh, we know a little bit about actress and singer. Tell us a little bit more about cowgirl and teacher. I, in the months following 9-11, I was just obsessed with finding my first cutting horse, and I connected with one of the top trainers in the sport. And then he he helped me purchase this incredible champion horse. After that, I was like, I need to live where my horse lives. So I <laughs> sold my New York co-op and, yeah. and bought this beautiful little, it's a time, they don't even call it a ranch. Did Texas. you consider bringing the horse to your New York apartment? No, no, I could, uh, because the heart of the sport is right near where I grew up in Fort Worth. And so also my assistant lives in the guest house and we, between us, we've been rescuing animals for these 18 years, like many, many animals. Oh, wonderful. It's, what is a what is a cutting horse? It's a sport in the tradition of the old west where it's a three minute sport where you ride into a herd of cattle and you separate one cow at a time up to three in three minutes. When you point your horse at the cow, then you relax your hand down on his neck and you crouch down in the saddle and the horse has to do all the work to keep the cow from getting back into the herd. It's a wow. beautiful thing to witness. And it was really a good thing for me to do because prior to that, my whole life was just about practice, practice, practice. Then after that, for the past 18 years, it's been work to sustain this beautiful world of animals and horses and trees and sky. And it's, it's Love yeah, that. it's great. What a place to live, especially when you can't go anywhere else. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a nice place to be. So I've been teaching for like over 47 years for the Terry Schreiber School, and um, that's why I call myself a cowgirl and a teacher. <laughs> you, come, you come to both of them very honestly. We heard uh, when you joined our call and said y'all, and of course we know your Texas, <laughs> Texas roots. Did you have to work on your accent in order to, to fit it into yeah. some of your Broadway roles? Tell us yeah, about that. I was, I was assigned by this like power broker agent, fortunately, and got my first Broadway show, my first day in New York City, which was 1776. Wow. This agent's name was Eric Shepard. He was very famous. And he was like, you have to like do something about the Texas accent. So I studied <laughs> with speech teachers and all that. And I was very self-conscious about it. And, you know, some years later, I thought, 
look at Sissy Spacek. She mm-hmm. brings that same <laughs> Southern accent to everything. Or Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Was there a line from so, a song that uh, that was particularly Oh, good uh, one. Thank you for reminding me that, yeah. So my audition for 1776, the lyric is, oh, he bows, yes, he bows, for he knows, yes, he knows. And I looked at the sheet music, and I, they kept me there for two hours and taught me the song, and I was like, Oh, he bows. Yes, he bows. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no, no. It's like bows. And you know, he plays the violin. Like that. That's what that song is yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, of course, one of your most famous roles for which you won the Tony is Grizabella in Cats. You sing the cat song. You sing memory. And uh, it, it's such an incredible performance that you give. And uh, I understand I understand auditioning for the role. You, had, you kind of had to stand up for yourself in order to, in order to get the part. Yeah, the, well, it was funny because uh, I was submitted by my agent at that point, which who was a wonderful woman named Joanna. So I auditioned initially, and they said no, that I wasn't right. They said, we're looking for someone who radiates death and dying, and Betty radiates health and well-being. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They wanted more this, of a Lewis Black type, apparently. Yeah, yeah. They, they, <laughs> Six months later, they called me back and she said, you know, they want to see you again. I went in and, and sang again. And the director, Trevor, it was at the Winter Garden Theater. He comes up on the stage and he directs me to be more suicidal, more <laughs> suicidal. And at this point, they'd auditioned everyone on the West Coast, the East Coast, everywhere, anybody that could sing mm-hmm. and act had auditioned for it. And, you know, it's in on page six, you know, Cher wants the role of Isabella. <laughs> Lorna Left wants the role of Isabella. All these people that wanted to do it. And he comes he back to the edge of the stage and he says, okay, thank you very much. And I was like, Mr. Nunn, can I speak to you for a second? So he comes back down and I said, now surely at this point you've auditioned everybody who can possibly do this role. And there's any number of my peers that I know would do it beautifully. But in terms of acting and singing, I said, there's no one who can do it better. And it's my turn. So I went to this, my favorite restaurant in New York, and which was this place called Woods on the upper Midtown East Side on Madison Avenue. It was a really great place. And I was bemoaning my miserable, and I called my agent and I told her what I'd said. And she goes, oh, Betty, Betty, when will you learn to keep your mouth shut? <laughs> and I was like... I know, Joanne, I'm really sorry. And she goes, oh, please. And so I get this phone call at the restaurant. They call me to the phone. And she goes, Betty, you got cats. <laughs> and I was like, I told you. Yeah, right. <laughs> and she said, I told you you should never keep your mouth shut. I, yeah, <laughs> you listen yes, to me. Exactly. I love this so story. much because <laughs> it is, you know, you hear, so, especially for women mm-hmm. to, to sort of get railroaded and, and sort of like pull, pushed around and, and sort of rolled over. And the fact that you just firmly stood up for yourself and you were so confident and you were like, this is my role and nobody can do it better than me. And you you know it, and I know it, and everybody knows it. Like, bravo! I mean, yes. that's so thank you, amazing. Thank you. And that you is... think it, you think it made a difference? You think it really it snapped? Oh him yeah, to yeah. Reality? I think that's why he because yeah. he got that I would take his direction, I'd do mm. what he wanted, I, and I could deliver it. You know, so in my work relationship with him, I think he was a little over my participation. Like I would. That's <laughs> 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 very diplomatic. <laughs> very diplomatic. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious, do you, do you have any idea of how many times you have sung the song Memory between being in the show and <laughs> all the concerts and all that? I mean, it's got to be in, in the hundreds. 
No, I think more than that. More than a thousand? Yeah. Know. Well, yeah. I'm just curious. How do you make that present for you? Because it's such an emotional song, and it's so easy to, to make it. You know, you've seen so many performances about where, where people, you know, it's more about them showing off or, it's, or it becomes more saccharine or something. What, what do you do to, to, to make that present for you when you're singing it? And, and so resonant for the audience. Well, she, Christabella, I really think of her as my one of my soulmates or one of my great teachers because to learn to play her, the job assignment was stop the show. Mm -hmm. And for the first three months of the previews, for the during the previews, I was not stopping the show. And they were mm -hmm. thinking about firing me. And it was really, really tense. And I had a great voice teacher named Paul Gavert. And I called him one day and said, it's not working, Paul. I don't know what to do. And he said, get over here on your lunch break and... He threw a pillow on the floor and said, beat this pillow. And I was like, no, Paul, this is not the moment for a kinetic exercise. I can't <laughs> like, beat the pillow. And I, so I started beating the pillow, beating the pillow. And then I started sobbing and crying. Mm. And this little kid's voice came out of my heart and it said, I'm here too. Mm. I'm here too. And so I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to even check. I knew what Trevor wanted. I knew what Andrew wanted. I knew what Jillian Lynn, the choreographer. I was trying so hard to please everybody. Mm. I had forgotten to check in with my own heart and soul. And I went on this whole journey, this quest. I started following homeless women on the streets of New York. And I had a couple of encounters with these remarkable women whose hair was just like Gr Grisabella, who had white pasty makeup like Grisabella, red smeared lipstick who really had this phenomenal dignity and they just floated down the street. And I realized the dignity and self-respect they had, I had forgotten to bring because Trevor kept directing me more pathos, more pathos. And mm. I, so I realized in that period of time that I was acting rather pathetically, dragging myself around the stage. So I took the influence of that and it all came together. Wow. And I realized who I was in the role and who she is, Grisabella, there was that breathless silence when I finished singing and then the house went nuts and then it continued like that. And I love her and I'm so grateful for the experience of what I learned. It's such a great illustration that, you know, a lot of times people think of some Broadway shows and Cats was sort of in this category for some people as, as you know, a spectacle. But, there, but there, there's an artistry and a craft behind it that, it, that everyone has to, has to go through in order to have it resonate for, for people like that. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, uh, Cats. It's like this moving art piece, mm -hmm. you know, it's like this art installation in motion, mm -hmm. you know, it was really the direction or the through line mm -hmm. was all, it was not in the writing, but was right. all the vision of Trevor's. What right. did the homeless women say when you were randomly following them around? <laughs> um, the first, when I would first go out and I like, made myself too obvious and I got screamed at and people chased me down the street and stuff and then I was like, oh, okay. So I had to be like, be more, you know. And then they said, know? that lady's going to win the Tony. <laughs> yeah. It's like, excuse me, can I interview you? Yeah. So, Last thing yeah. I want to ask before you talk about 1776 a little bit is that you've done some of the great roles for women in musicals. Some of the all-time, like Grisabella, Dolly and Hello Dolly, Mama Rose, Norma Desmond. Is there a role that you haven't played yet that you still want to? Well, I really wanted to play Annie Oakley in um, Annie Get Your Gun, mm -hmm. but I've aged out of that now, so I'm kind of sad about that. I had this vision that I actually pitched to several producers mm -hmm. over a period of time of wanting to do, to recreate the Wild West show mm -hmm. and to present Annie Get Your Gun around that in big arenas mm -hmm. in almost a Cirque du Soleil fashion. So they just didn't get it. But my mission in doing that was that I could take my horses on tour with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> bringing it all together. Yeah, that bring is, it all together. That is smart. All right. That eluded me, so. All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here tonight as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Lewis Black. We wanted to know what was the name of that historical musical about the Revolutionary War that opened in 1969. Helen Hong, what did Lewis say? Lewis said 1776. And Ms. Buckley? That's correct. That is correct for the point. It was, in fact, 1776. You were able to pull that. Very good. Next, we wanted to know, besides Best Musical, what is one of the other Tony Awards that that musical won? Helen, what did Lewis say? Lewis said Best Lead Actor in a Musical. And Ms. Buckley? It was actually Best Featured Actor, uh, Ronald Holgate, and um, uh, the Best Director, Peter Hunt. Nope, no oh, point there. Sorry, I, Lewis. Uh, no, it's all right. I almost went with Best Director. Oh, that's all right. Although it's it's kind of interesting. We might want to give him a half a point on this because uh, there's a little interesting anecdote about who was the lead actor who did not get a nomination. Do you want to tell us about that briefly, uh, Ms. Buckley? William Daniels and um, uh, Howard De Silva yeah. both should have been nominated. Yes. They and were I believe uh, I believe William Daniels actually declined the nomination because the Academy wanted to nominate him for featured and he felt he should have been lead, which he, he probably should have been. So. Oh, I don't recall that. That's amazing. Oh, okay. Wow. There you go. Uh, no point there. And then finally wanted to know what legendary leading lady who would go on to win a Tony Award and be called the voice of Broadway made her Broadway debut in that show, playing one of our first first ladies. <laughs> Helen, what did Lewis say? Lewis yeah. said Bernadette Peters. <laughs> Is that correct? We don't know yet. No. No. Who was it? <laughs> Me. It was you, Betty Buckley. <laughs> well, before we let Miss Buckley go, Lewis, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to her? I did not know about the horses. I'm very mm -hmm. impressed. Oh, uh, <laughs> <Shaw. laughs> No, I am. And are you down there? So do you go back and forth now? You or are you? Uh, I just I live here. Yeah, live? In, in Texas. Although we've had this huge ice and snowstorm in the I whole, know. it's like. It last night it was like one degree or something. Four yeah, degrees. It's got, never that wow. cold in Texas, and uh, the snow is like there's like we got four or five inches. And you're in Fort like Worth, that. right? You're near. I'm near Fort Worth. I'm west of Fort Worth. How are the how are the yeah. horses holding up with the weather? Well, we we raced out knowing the we ha they have winter blankets, but I. Uh, sent my assistant out to buy these kind of winter blankets that come up around their necks, too. So oh, my God. You have to take photos of your horses and neckerchiefs. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really cute. Really cute. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was an honor and a treat. And, of course, if people want to find out more about you, Miss Buckley, where can they go? Twitter, I'm at Betty Buckley. I'm www.bettybuckley.com is my website. And I'm at BL Buckley on Instagram. Well, uh, what, a, what a treat and an honor to have such a legend join us on our show. Thank you so oh, much, thank you. Betty thank Buckley. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, you thank guys. You. I really enjoyed hanging out. I, I will be eternally embarrassed at my answer. <laughs> Good. <It was> a... <laughs> never, I never, I never, you know what? That was, I would, at that point, I, that is a show that I did not see on tour. And if I had, I would have remembered it. Yeah. That's okay. That's I let okay. you off the hook. You did. I, all right. That was so fun. Uh, Helen, let's get back to the game part. What is our score as we head into the final round? Going into the final round, Helen Zaltzman has 10 points and Lewis Black has six and a half points. All right, it all comes down to our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Helen Zaltzman and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Helen, there's a TV show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? True. Correct. Lewis, there's a TV show called Who Wants to Be a Billionaire? False. Correct. Helen, there was a TV show called Who Wants to Be a Super Millionaire? Uh, true? Correct. 
Lewis, there was a TV show called Who Wants to Be a Super Duper Millionaire? Balls. Correct. <laughs> Helen, there was a reality TV show called Who Wants to Marry My Dad? Oh, probably true. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there really was. Uh, <laughs> Lewis, there was a reality TV show called Who Wants to Be Famous? False. Correct. Helen, there was a reality TV show called Who Wants to Be Really Famous? <laughs> False. <laughs> Hope. Incorrect. No, there really was. It was really R-E-E-L-Y. I think it was about oh, film. Oh, no. Uh, Lewis, oh. There, Lewis, there was a reality TV show called Who Wants to Be a Superhero? True. Correct. Helen, there was a reality TV show called Who Wants to Be on a Reality Show? Probably true. <laughs> Correct. Lewis, there was a reality TV show called Who Wants to Date a Comedian? It's not false. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's morally reprehensible. Yeah, yeah. Save True or false, though? <laughs> false. Incorrect! No, oh. it was a real show. Oh. No, uh, then I won't continue speaking to either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Helen, the answer was no one. No one wants to date a comedian. I mean, I've met people who do, but I also know that they shouldn't. <laughs> But you know, but you know how morally reprehensible they are. <laughs> All right, we're not going to count that last one. I want to thank Helen Zaltzman and Lewis Black while Helen Hong tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner on today's program? I am. At the end of the game, Helen Zaltzman has fourteen points and Lewis Black has ten and a half points. A very high-scoring game for both of our players. But congratulations, Helen Zaltzman! Thanks. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, what will you do with your championship? Well, I'm going to fact myself incredibly hard. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of what we had hoped for, but it also sounds... All right. Well, yeah. let's just uh, give everyone on the show a chance to promote anything that they would like. Uh, Helen Zaltzman, where can people see and find you? Well, you can find my podcasts, The Allusionist, with an A, as you uh, sensibly pointed out. Uh, answer me this which also has an a and veronica mars oh. investigations which does have a's in it but they're less critical uh, those are all <laughs> in the pod places and i'm helen zaltzman on twitter and instagram excellent so wonderful to meet you thank you so much for joining us Thanks and staying up late with us from uh england helen zaltzman uh lewis black where can people find you and your work they can find me at uh you know the lewisblack.com which is the easiest they also uh i have of course a uh, podcast but i call it a rant cast it's the only um, show that I know of that is actually written by the audience. It oh, is written by folks, just by people. It started when I was on the road, and, and we uh, have been taking uh, those rants that were written by them, and I've been adding rants that are being still being sent in, and you can find that through the website or wherever you find podcasts. Uh, yeah. LewisBlack.com will let you know. Excellent. Well, gosh, what an absolute thrill and treat that you joined us today. We appreciate it so much. Lewis Black, everybody. Yay! Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. My hosting partner is the funny, the talented, the Helen, the Hong, Ms. Helen Hong. Where can people see you? Uh, I've just started a YouTube channel where I interview my uh, elderly Korean parents about their life stories. The channel is called Old Korean Dad Stories and Sometimes Mom. And you can find that on YouTube. <laughs> Accurate. It sounds very, very precise in its cycling. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much, as always, Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. You can also check out a game show that I wrote on Discovery Plus. It is in the 90 Day Fiance universe. It is called Love Games. It is nuts. 
that just leaves me to thank Helen Zaltzman, Lewis Black, Mayor Charlie Urig, Betty Buckley. Please, everyone, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night! Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday. Someday, I promise. It'll be free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Bass Mandel 11 did. He, she, or they said, funny, fascinating, and fresh. After welcoming Helen and Jake Heath into my podcast queue, they've quickly risen to the top spot. Thanks, Bass Mandel 11. We're number one. Woo-hoo! We're number one. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton. Comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer, engineer, and editor is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Lynn Ahrens, Lee Wilkoff, Kathy Brigenti, Julie Gladhorn, David Nay. Anna Ferguson Sparks at Stiletto Marketing, Don Burge at Stewart Talent, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedif, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Bellata. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go put neckerchiefs on horses! Yes! Let's take selfies with them! You go first. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.